Good afternoon. Today I have the lovely John Richter on the release of his new book. Hiya, John. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? I will do, I will do. Hello, hello. Lovely to be here um, in a virtual sense. Me and my, uh, my... I was about to say partner, but that's a bit confusing for everyone, isn't it? <laughs> just to be clear, yeah, we're not romantically involved. It's just a creepy mannequin that I thought would be funny. Um, so yeah, I write dark fiction books, um, of which I now have seven as of today, because uh, as you uh, were kind enough to mention, I've got a new one out. Um, they're all, uh, I sort of just hop around different genres. So I've got a few more conventional crime thrillers. I've got a cyberpunk novel. I've got a couple of short um, horror collections. And the new book is probably best described as a psychological techno thriller, I think, um, which is uh, basically means it's it's a thriller. It's a murder mystery. It's exciting. Hopefully people will find it exciting. But it's got elements of technology, in, which is quite ironic because my internet is playing up. So uh, apologies in advance if I keep going, what did you say? Can you repeat yourself, please, Donna? Um, but yes, te te a technophobic uh, techno thriller writer is, is somewhat ironic. <laughs> So would you like to tell everyone briefly what the new one's about? So, um, yes, I would. I Let me attempt this. Uh, I haven't polished this sales pitch and I probably should have. So it is a, a, I wrote it in lockdown and it's set in lockdown. So I suppose that is a bit of a trigger warning in some ways because some people are probably not ready for COVID related fiction yet. Um, but it, I guess it was my way of kind of exploring this just mad year and year and a half that we've all collectively had. Um, so I just thought it'd be interesting, alternate timeline where the virus goes on and on forever. Everyone has to not just put up with lockdown, but you know, society has to completely change to accommodate a kind of a near future where we just live indoors and that's it. So it's set in a smart apartment building that's run by an AI called James. Um, uh, in that apartment building, there is a retired agoraphobic detective. So he's quite happy that he can't go outside because he doesn't want to. Um, and he uh, is, is sort of forced out of the confines and the comfort of his apartment, of his state-of-the-art high-tech apartment, because there is a murder in the building that he uh, is compelled to sort of investigate. Um, and over the course of his investigation, he... he um, will uh, sort of seek the help of James, the AI, which which may or may not be entirely helpful uh, because the, the warden, the book's title, that, that is obviously a reference to the AI that runs the building and it takes its role very seriously. And uh, it cares a lot about the well-being and safety of its residents. Um, so you, you can see you can see the scope for, uh, for, for, for where that might lead. But yeah, hopefully people will find it a kind of, it's a bit of a mad book, loads of ideas just lobbed in, um, filter very much off uh, and just so hopefully people will find it kind of entertaining. I'm, I'm pitching it as a, a die-hard meets Black Mirror in lockdown, if that uh, is an appealing combination. <laughs> well, it seems to have got great reviews from what I've seen so far, so it must, you must be doing something right. Hey, oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I, I suppose, I, I mean, that's it's, it's a double-edged sword, really. I find my stuff tends to be well-received and well-reviewed but not but doesn't sell that well and i think part of that part of that hopefully is because it's 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 reasonably good and i think part of that is because it um it's it's all a bit weird i don't write uh i'm very i don't like formulaic fiction and i don't want to write something that's conventional and sticks to you know this idea of people going get trained in writing and they go on creative fiction courses and it's like oh you must have a three-act structure and you must have the arc of the hero and i'm I, pfft, nah <laughs> 
<laughs> it's boring. Obviously, it's not boring. There's lots of really good books that follow these structures, but I'm I'm more interested in originality than I am in um, in trying to sort of uh, what's the word sort of tick tick the, the typical formula boxes. If if that makes any sense. It does. <laughs> Would you ever try that to see if you could sell more, or are you happy with your randomness? I, th- I think I think I just you can only write. And you'll know this from your recent writing endeavours. You can only write what you're actually inspired to write. So it's like if you sit down in front of your computer and you're forcing yourself to do, I'm not really into this idea, but I'm going to do it anyway because I think it'll sell. You'll just write something that's kind of half-hearted and everyone will be able to tell. So I think one day I might have an... One of me, the, the book of mine that's probably performed the best in terms of sort of sales and, and so on is, is the book Rabbit Hole. And that, that happens to be more of a present day, um, you know, non, there's no kind of technology elements and so on. It's just a, it's a more conventional crime thriller. And that one has performed better. Um, but, uh, you know, if I, so if I have an idea that is a more conventional present day setting, I'll definitely write it. Um, but if, but if, if I don't, then I won't. So I, I, it sort of just depends what idea happens next, if that makes any sense. <laughs> um, I think I saw in a recent interview, you said that you're really interested in the future technology. So the stuff that you've written in this book, is it does it scare you that it's possible or is it exciting? It's, uh, it's interesting, actually. So the books and short fiction that I've written that have got technology in tend to go down a route of, Ooh, technology bad, something could go wrong. The honest truth is it, that happens because obviously you need your book to have some conflict in it. And it's, so it's, it's not, it's difficult. You know, if you wrote a utopian book, it potentially it would just be a bit dull. So you, you tend to find it's quite difficult to write about emerging technology without putting a kind of dark, sinister spin on it. In reality, I'm really pro-technology, even though I'm crap at using it. I, like, I can't wait for the, I want the robots, you know, like the, the, the ones you've got now, like Spot, the Boston Dynamics dog thing. That's, that's, you know, if you Google it, you see these like unbelievable, you know, it can open a door and walk around a building site and do security camera all by itself. I can't, I want one as a pet. Can, like, I want him to hurry up, get the cost down and get them mass produced so I can buy a boot straight there on day one. So, I'm, yeah, I'm sort of interested to see what the world is like in 10 years, in 20 years, driverless cars. I think it'll just be only driverless cars on the roads in, I don't know how long that'll take. But it, and that's a good thing, not a bad thing. I think a lot of people would say, oh, we, we don't, you know, we don't want, you know, take our driving away. Well, I wouldn't trust a machine. There'll be loads safer, loads less people will die. It's kind of a no-brainer. So yeah, I'm, I'm I am definitely sort of fascinated by it all. Don't get me wrong; there are some negative aspects to lots of emerging tech, and it largely depends on the humans using it and what they decide to use it for. Um, I mean, even social media. It's like I've had a great time on social media, met some dead cool people like you, but equally, it can be a bit of a toxic dump if you you know not careful and engage with the wrong people and so it's all maybe a bit of a double-edged sword I guess. Out of all the books you've written so far which would you most like to be a character in yourself? Oh well so the new book The Warden features an AI called James and I have written another book previously called Auxiliary that featured an an AI called Tim and James and Tim are, are kind of quite closely related characters in some ways 
you know, James abbreviated to Jim, Tim and Jim. That was my little joke to myself when I was writing. <laughs> um, I would, it, I would love to do the voice of the one of the AIs in a in a you know a sort of produced version. The problem, of course, is I don't think a Wigan accent really works for that, does it? You know, it's imagine like Hal in two thousand and one, a Space Odyssey. He's like, all right. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going fucked up in pod bay doors. Soz. <laughs> well, you're a summoner now, so it, some of that must have leaked in your accent. Oh, yeah, not... yeah. But basically, I sound really sophisticated and posh now. Clearly. Um... Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm definitely not going to uh, disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> no opinion whatsoever. <laughs> I did live in Liverpool for five years as well, so I think my voice has got a bit modelled so I've got like a bit wig and a bit scouse and maybe a bit a bit cockney now I don't know who knows <laughs> yeah no I can't see you doing cockney with a wig and no it doesn't work <laughs> definitely doesn't work but they like regional accents in these things now so you never know you could still be in there to voice your uh machines <laughs> it's very true and, and it, you, you, you would want it to be a bit different as well you wouldn't want to go down the route of you know like I don't know, sort of posh, kind of Stephen Fry-esque, like, oh, hello, I'm an AI. It's like, that's kind of been done, hasn't it? So I agree, it might be quite funny to have a, you know, a brummy one or something. Didn't you write it as they had just, they were random? Is Do I remember that correctly from Auxiliary? or? So, so yeah, in, in Auxiliary, the idea was that every time the, the system manifests, Manifests itself. It has a face and a voice, but the face and the voice are different. And sometimes it's a woman's voice, sometimes it's a bloke, sometimes it's something else. It, it, so it, the idea was it was a sort of constantly shifting sort of identity. Whereas James in the warden, he does have a face and a voice that it is, is kind of adopted. Um, I think I was pitched, I think I pitched it as like a sort of Lawrence Fishburne lookalike, but with more of a kind of dusty old Oxbridge professor kind of voice um, I've, I've no idea why but just that that's what happened <laughs> so you've cast yourself out of your own film if it got made because correct can't scene. play it yeah exactly I've blown it I've blown it <laughs> you'd have to stick with auxiliary then yeah or, or we'll just have to get Lawrence Fishburne in if, if you're watching Lawrence uh, we'd be delighted to uh, have you on board with the project <laughs> <laughs> um, if you were only able to choose one of your books to be made into a film which one would you choose oh, um, let me have a think about that let me have a think about that I <laughs> I would secretly my favourite things that I've ever written are those short horror collections even though again very hard to sell that they're self-published so it's very hard to sell self-published fiction they're horror it's quite hard to sell horror and the short stories which are very hard to sell so they're my least commercially successful output but I, it was a good opportunity or it was just fun just lobbing in a load of you know my craziest ideas and I've got one story in the second collection so they're called John Richter's Disturbing Works volumes one and two um, and there's a story in there called The Truth that's about a guy whose dad passes away, so he kind of goes around to the house to, you know, sort out all his dad's profession possessions. But his dad was a sort of, you know, mad scientist type character. And he finds in the basement that the, his dad's constructed this sort of robotic talking head. 
Um, and the robotic talking head is not very nice, <laughs> but has the ability to answer one question per day completely correctly, use, you know, using algorithms to tell the future or whatever. That bit doesn't really need explaining. Um, so the idea being that if you were limited to one question a day, but th whatever question you ask would be correctly and honestly answered. You, know, you could ask it anything from, you know, does my wife really love me? To, you know, what's the date going to be of my death? To, you know, what's, what's the weather going to be like this afternoon? Whatever you want. And I just thought that was quite an interesting idea. Um, so I would, yeah, that probably that one would be fun to see made into a short, short film. If anyone's interested, uh, starring Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you that's the one you told me to read. And yeah, it's awesome. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, some of them, but the, some of them short stories are really good, actually. Uh, very memorable. Um, yeah, so people should read them. Uh, yes, that's the hope. I might rattle off a third collection at some point. I've got about half of one sort of written because every so often you just you just get an idea and it's like, oh, this idea is only a short story. It's not going to be a full book, but I quite like the idea, so I'm just going to write it anyway. And then before you know it, it's like, well, I've got 12 of them now. What shall I do with these? And, you know, so there might yet be a third. Um... <laughs> awesome. Uh, what's been your favourite moment so far being an author? Um... It, I think it is just the whole, it's felt like a sort of a horizon widening experience. So, you know, I touched earlier on like social media, like I wasn't on social media. So my first book came out in 2017. I wasn't even on Facebook, never mind Twitter and didn't even know what Instagram was. So I just was, my horizons were like my home life and my work life. And then obviously you get your book published and your publisher's like, what do you mean you're not on social media? <laughs> get on social media immediately. So did that. And yeah, I found it to be dead fun. You meet loads of interesting people. You get to do stuff like this. You get a load of very supportive people. And it's like amazing how much, you you know, it's, as you said earlier, it's kind of launch day for me, new book, and loads of kind people have retweeted it and shared it around. So it, that whole experience has just been really good, um, I, I would say. And what's the ultimate dream? Would it be the TV series or would you want a bestseller? To be honest, I've got a, a lower level dream than that, actually, is all I would like is because all my books to date have been sold either through either self-published or through the digital imprint of a major publisher or through an indie publisher, all of which means they're sold on Amazon. And you can, although you can buy them in paperback, you know, it's a print to order service and, and most people will probably just buy the Kindle version, which is totally fine. Oh, and the other ebook readers are available, of course. Um it would be great to have a book just on the shelf in Waterstones like that. I would love that. That would be ace. But um, so fingers crossed one day we will see. Uh, do you dream of being a full time author? A hundred percent. Yes. So I, as uh, yeah, you, people may or may not know. So I work as an accountant to sort of day job, pay the bills, dead boring. Uh, sorry, if anyone's just immediately head has hit the desk and they're falling asleep. Um, I uh, don't like it very much. It's a bit crap, but it pays quite well. <laughs> Whereas writing infamously pays not very well at all, unless you're very, very lucky and you you know hit the zeitgeist and have a big bestseller. But of course, that's, I suppose, what you realise when you get into the industries. So even the people that you think, oh my God, they're so successful. You know, they're on the same label, but they've sold loads more copies. They've had loads more reviews. Wow, what a fantastic success. They've still got day jobs. So this idea of full-time income coming from writing, never mind 
good income and you know George R. R. Martin or J.K. Rowling. It's 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 0.0001% of writers that will happen to. So um, you know that would be ace if that happened, and I was able to make a, a living from writing. But it's probably quite unlikely. So um, I've had to sort of get used to this because I think for a lot of people, your dream is to get published, and you don't really think beyond that. So then when that happens and then your book does okay and it doesn't really sell that well, it's like, oh, right, I need to sort of adjust my, you know, what am I trying to achieve now? So, yeah, if that made any sense. <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember what I asked you before. But it was such a long time ago. So I, I, can't, I, I can't remember either. And therefore, if you ask me the same question, I might give a completely different answer that contradicts <laughs> the other one. So hopefully no one will compare them. <laughs> I'm sure no one's got time for that. Yeah, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. <laughs> Have you got any proper stalkers yet, apart from me? I would um, consider probably. No, you're, you're definitely not. Well, or, or you're a good, you know, your, your stalking manifests itself in a very positive way, and it's certainly not limited just to me. Um, so, <laughs> no. no. no I, I have, I'm trying to think about that. I forgot any, like, you know, like online creepy weirdo incidents. <laughs> I haven't really, which I'm quite offended about, and I would like some. So if there's any creepy stalkers out there, please, like, some attention. You, you, you people have got a reputation to uphold. Where are you all? Anyway. Oh, I know plenty. I can send them your way. That's fine. Deal, deal. Be good for my self-esteem for about two minutes, and then I regret it. <laughs> yeah, you'll you'll just run away. I can see you being a worse. I just I'm good at, okay. and I'm good at running as well. It's very handy, handy combination, cowardice <laughs> and speed. It gets you out of a lot of scrapes. Ah, uh, now I see why you run just to get yourself away from stalkers. It all makes sense now. <laughs> see, it's long game. It's all part of the plan. It's funny because obviously I work for Jim and Jim seems really freaked out that I know so many authors' addresses. I'm like, what? They give them to me. It's not my fault. It. He won't yeah. give me his at all. He absolutely will not give me his address. <laughs> As I had that once. I was on a night out with a work colleague a few years ago. And you know that thing when, and obviously we've all done it, but on this occasion it was him and he got completely too hammered and was falling all over the place and the, the bar wouldn't let him in. And it's like, right, we need to put him in a taxi. And for some reason... He wouldn't tell us his address, so we couldn't. We couldn't tell. It's like no, uh, no name redacted. We're not trying to like burgle your house. We just want to know where to send you because you're too drunk and you have to go home. No, I'm not telling you nothing. You're not getting my address out of me. Oh, for God's sake! Anyway, we got we got rid of him in the end. Well, I mean, you know, so many people have my address, and you know, whatever. It's fine. No one seems. Everyone lives up north anyway, so I think you're one. Of, you're, you live one of the closest, just to worry up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Except for Alison Morgan, she lives closer, I think. Is she like your lo your nearest local author that you can go yeah. and um, stay out if you so wished? <laughs> I think we live in the same county, and she delivered hand delivered a signed book for me so yeah oh that's amazing that's fantastic well i can't compete with that that's uh, i need to up my game in that case yeah well you just need to get on the train that's not that far from wembley to luton oh. you could come see me at greg's <laughs> wanted to kill myself no i'm joking <laughs> um so i think i'll know the answer to this but if you were able to spend a day with any author dead or alive who would you like to spend a day with uh alive because they'd be more interested in the have more to say 
so that's, I stole that joke from someone else, but it is a good joke. It is a good joke, actually, yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks. It's better, better than my actual jokes. Um, I, uh, well, actually, again, probably given a different answer to this in the past, the, the current answer that pops into me is Ian Banks, who actually is dead, sadly, who is my favourite writer. Um, both Ian Banks and Ian M. Banks, his sci-fi alter ego, because it just was like imagination overload, complete genre hopping all over the place. And actually, he did write a sci-fi utopia. Now, obviously, there was still conflict and stuff going wrong, but it was interesting. And in a, in a weird way, kind of quaint, because his sci-fi stuff, large, not all of them, but mo- a lot of them, were about this um, sort of future, very, very, very distant future civilization called the culture. And the culture was completely all powerful and, you know, just the boss of the universe. And it was this very diverse, multicultural, moral, ethically sound, you know, society that was promoting, you know, you could could change sex whenever you felt like it. Everyone lived for as long as they wanted to live. If you wanted to die, you could just choose to die. That's fine. If you wanted to just live forever and keep replacing your body, that's fine too. So it was it was almost like the ultimate end point of where Western society is sort of heading now. Um, but I think part of the inspiration there was, do you, like, do you remember when the US used to be kind of like the global police, you know, and it was almost like it was mocked in terms of, you know, a team America. And it was... In some ways, I kind of miss that in a weird way. It's like America feels like it's kind of fallen quite a long way. I don't know, or maybe we've just all realised that it's not quite as simple as we were all taught when we were kids. So, yeah, it was sort of, in some ways, I guess the culture was a bit of a parody of that self-appointed custodian of the world kind of role that that the US perhaps has or once had. Um, but yeah, really, just really good reads and just completely different to anything you would ever like. There's a, there's a book he wrote called Use of Weapons. Um, uh, and in effect, it had a kind of like alternating chapter structure. So it'd be like chapter one is something happening to a bloke. Um, let, let's say it's like a flashback. So it's a, a something happening to a bloke in the past. Then chapter two would be the same bloke quite far in the future. And then chapter three would be back to the past again, the next thing. Chapter four would be in the future, but before. So the, the point there is you've got like half the book is a progressing forward in time narrative with this, you know, young, brave warrior or whatever. And half the book is a backwards narrative about this messed up psychopath nutcase. And the, the question is, what happens at the in the middle of the story to change from brave noble warrior into crazy messed up lunatic, and that's the that's the finale. The middle of the book is the ending, which, if I've explained that remotely, probably quite badly. But <laughs> I just thought that was like, ah, oh, it's just genius. Why can't I think of that? You know? Yeah, that sounds um, like really confusing, but also really cool. Yeah, just re- just a really clever idea for like a, the way to tell a story rather than just conventional chronology. Um, but without just being like weird for the sake of it, you know, it served a purpose in making the book a more interesting read. Um, of all the technology that you've written about that potentially we have in the future, what would you like to exist right now? Um, let me have a think about that. Because I mentioned, I think, it, I think it is just the, it's not so much, it's not so much the robotics, it's the AI. I bit so the, the challenge in the field of robotics is getting robots that can actually move around properly although Boston Dynamics and companies like that seem to have cracked it now if you see some of their unbelievable you know it's just a metal man walking around it's like whoa but actually 
that's just like having a posh remote control car. Like it's not, it's not that interesting to me. The interesting bit is if you could actually hold a conversation with one, which you don't need the robotics bit. You just need an Alexa type dot or, you know, any other, other talking things are available. <laughs> but of course you can't have a conversation with one of them now because they're incredibly rudimentary and it's just an if response to, you know, if a person says these words, say this in return you'd want them or I am interested to see them get to a point where the AI can, you know, they've got machine learning to a point where it can actually sort of remember stuff and learn and start to have a, you know, believable sort of Turing test passing level of conversation. That would be brilliant. But um, yeah. Does that not mean you would be a hermit? Yeah, I, think um, we're, I don't know. A few decades off that maybe? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Yeah, well, hopefully. I mean, we struggle to talk to each other as it is, let alone talking to robots and having them talking back. Yeah, it will. It'll be. It'll. It will be interesting, though. I think when we and it, and of course, then you get into all the stuff that's already been covered in a lot of science fiction and cyberpunk and so on about like at what at what point does a machine intelligence become worthy of some sort of rights? Because if it if it's self aware to any extent, then you can't just you know chuck it in the bin because that's cruel. So there's all that stuff to come in the future, I think, but which will be interesting. Yeah, I think it'll be in our lifetime as well, which is quite cool. I think. Yeah. But hopefully, if it goes bad, then we'll be too old to worry about it, and we'll let let the youth sort it out. <laughs> well, the only other answer, I suppose, to that question of like what technology would I like to see is if they could just hurry up and fix aging, that would be nice. So then we can all see, then we can stick around indefinitely and see it all. And I don't know, I never understand that. You know, people are like, oh, would you want to live forever? Yeah, definitely. The alternative sounds rubbish. So um, some, yes, yeah, some anti-aging injections please would be good <laughs> uh yeah but you'd have to decide at what age you stopped i think i think yeah 37 38 now nah, i think i'd go back a bit <laughs> yeah but yeah we need a we need a rewind function and then a play and then a pause function <laughs> that would be if anyone's listening who's, who's working on this <laughs> yeah 37 38 things are starting to fall apart already it's like now nah. <laughs> yeah we're at the age where like footballers can't hack it in the Premier League anymore aren't we? <laughs> yeah. like, or you've, or if you used to be a winger now you're a defensive midfielder um, but. yeah bad times um, Jason Bamford turned 40 um, a week ago and he's like I'm halfway through my life that's it I'm at the halfway point I'm like you're only 40 and I'm not that far away and uh, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah oh we've God. got age we've got, we got a lot left in the tank <laughs> I hope so <laughs> I've got loads of books to read. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's too much stuff to do. Too, too much. Too many films to watch. And... Yeah. And games to play for you. Absolutely, absolutely right. I'm just on that, in case anyone's interested, if anyone's got a PS5 who is listening and hasn't bought Returnal yet, stop, stop listening to this. Go and buy Returnal immediately. Play that because it's it's really good. A lot better than I thought it would be. Um, so yes, that's my video game recommendation slot for the day. Yeah, I saw you tweet about it earlier. Came about killing some balls or so, I don't know. Just goes. It's, don't get me wrong. <laughs> it's rock hard. Like, or I'm just crap. One, but, oh, but, oh, yeah, one of those is true. But it's it's got that whole like very rewarding. You know, you eventually crack it, and you're like, yeah. And then you're trying to explain this to other people, like, I killed the boss of level two, and they're like, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Definitely, it's like me. I'm just like, okay, great. 
Um, who was your first celebrity crush? Oh, let me have a think about this. It, to be honest, it was probably... Uh, the Big Breakfast was good in the 90s. And I remember... Th- I used to watch it when it was Denise and Johnny. And they were just like, they're cool and funny and work really well t- together. And I don't understand why Johnny Vaughan's career sort of petered out after that. He didn't really do a lot, did he? But I just used to think that was great. So then Denise left and she got replaced by Kelly Brook. And with the greatest respect to Kelly Brook, she was not as good as Denise Van Outen. And, you know, just it wasn't, the chemistry wasn't quite there and it wasn't as good a show. But she was very pretty. So I did used to get up extra early to tune in to watch Big Breakfast <laughs> as a teenager just to look at Kelly Brook, which is, yeah, sorry, but true. And she has rather large boobs as well, as I seem to recall, which I'm sure has... I, I don't know don't know what you're talking about. I well, can't remember. Um, <laughs> but, but actually, I guess that was, that was a, probably a really, really horrendously difficult job for her to have at the time, actually, because, like, A... That yeah, that's what she was famous for. And B, she was following like one of the nation's favourite TV presenter double acts. And she was quite young as well. So yeah, she probably was a bit of a poison chalice in a way, that job, I guess. But yeah. I'm sure she's all right. I think, yeah, I think she's fine. I'm pretty sure she's loaded and loving life. So I think she's yeah. If, you, if you're Kelly, if you're watching and you're interested in a part alongside Lawrence Fishburne, uh, just <laughs> yeah, get in touch. I'm sure we can make that happen so if you met her you would give her a part in your fictional film and not anything no else. I'd, I'd probably just faint and start <laughs> forget how to speak and fall fall over so. oh i don't know what are you not like honestly so funny but this is why i like talking to people of my own age i'm like yes i do remember and i know who you're talking about start talking about some random program in the 60s i'm like Oh, <laughs> which happens frequently yeah, yeah although I guess as, as we're, we're talking about us getting older soon it'll be people adults quoting people you've never heard of because they're like I don't know modern yeah. oh my first crush was on a YouTube sensation and what oh, but. yeah I, I might have to quit then I already moan about the charts and how rubbish the music is I think you know the, the slippery slope has begun <laughs> Yeah, t- music's just gone weird on it. It's like, so I like, don't get me wrong, I like a lot of modern stuff, but I don't, like I used to like buying CDs. Like I've got about a thousand CDs in the loft of my old house. Um, and, but you can't, like, even if I carry, even if I want to do that, I can't get that music onto my phone because my phone's not got enough memory. And if you're trying to do it all through cloud sharing, iTunes stuff, it's like, oh, pay a subscription. I've already bought the album. Why do I have to pay again to listen to the thing I've already bought? So I've just had to give up and just accept that I have to just use Spotify like everyone else. But it's not the same. It's not, now it's not my music collection. It's just some (laughs) music that I listen to. Do you know what I mean? Yep. That's a good thing about being a student. You get um, reduced Spotify subscriptions. So that's quite good. Didn't know that, actually. What have you been listening to? Have you been any particular favourites currently? What's I listening to? I, don't, I like Pink's new song. Who was I listening to? I was listening to something and it's gone. <laughs> is Pink, is, is she a, like a hair inspiration for you? No, actually. I don't know why I've decided to have pink hair. Looks cool. 
Thank you. I mean, it hides the greys, which is great. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. But I like it, so it's staying. I used to have bleach blonde hair when I was a teenager because I was a massive Eminem fan in the 90s. But um, yeah, that didn't, that wasn't a good look for me. Eminem was wicked though. He was, he was. I think he's kind of gone a bit nuts now though. And his last couple of albums were really shit. But anyway. Yeah, was that before, was that photo with you with your family? That was curtains, wasn't it? That wasn't the best look. <laughs> um, oh God, that, yeah. Oh, yeah, I've had some. <laughs> To be honest, I've never had any good looks, including this one, so <laughs> never mind. <laughs> You're so down on yourself, man. You're fine. Plus, you have this, one, this, is, this, this is okay. This is okay, I think. I think the, the, just the number three all over every two weeks is, is the solution to my needs. I'm going to just stick with that. Yeah, that's such a lazy man's thing as well, isn't it? You exactly. Don't, do <laughs> don't and save money. You don't have to go to the hairdressers. It's great. You don't have to see all the big lumps of grey falling off. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's depressing as well, especially when it goes into your eyebrows. That's just bad. Yeah, oh, totally agree with that. <laughs> I suppose we should talk about books occasionally. <laughs> um, so what are you working on at the moment, if anything, and what's coming next? Do you know yet? So I, um, so The Warden is my seventh book. I have written an eighth book, which is a, a, I had a crack at like a fantasy thing, like a bit more of a traditional, you know, sort of medieval type fantasy, with dragons and swords and knights and giants, but obviously with a bit of a weird twist because, you know, I can't just write normal books. Um, whether that finds a home with a publisher or not remains to be seen. Um, um, I've, I've, you know, touting that around a few places in the last week or so, so we'll see what happens. Um, and then I uh, leave my current finance job in about a month and a half, so in about six weeks. And I'm going to take a little bit of time off before starting a new job, which means I can work full time on another writing project, which would be great. And I've got a couple of ideas, but I don't know which one. Basically, one of them, one of them feels like a very worthy kind of. Oh, this this will be this will be a big you know this will be tough and it'll take a lot of research and I'll have to really put an effort in, but it'll be. A, and then the other one feels like really daft, but I reckon I could just rattle that off in about a month. And in, <laughs> but the daft one is kind of more fun, so I'm kind of angling towards that one. But anyway, who knows? We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I think I know which way you'll go. <laughs> I am right. I have been invited actually to contribute another short story to. Um, there's like an online group called the Cyberpunk Coalition, who are cyberpunk writers. And we had an anthology out a few months ago, which was a lovely idea by the lady that runs that group. And she wants to do a second collection, so she invited us to submit something. And I thought instead of writing, because the one last time I was pretty proud of it, but it was pretty serious and grim and bleak. I thought, right, I want to do like a comedy thing. So it may be like a sort of cyberpunk detective short story where the main character is you know if you can imagine like a tv show about a detective and the actor who plays the detective is like a sort of big muscles small brains kind of lovable you know sort of that type of like a bodybuilder slash actor and then if he sort of had to then investigate a crime that occurred on set i thought that could be quite fun but we'll see we'll see where that ends up <laughs> Um, and as I'm conscious of the time, would you like to give a shout out to your podcast? Because more people need to listen to this. Oh, Donna, you we had the aforementioned technological glitch then at my end, so I didn't hear what you said. I think you said, uh, did I want to give a shout out to the podcast? 
I did indeed. Uh, I, did, I got that right in that case. So yes, um, if anyone out there is a fan of dark fiction in all of its various forms, you know, whether it's fantasy, sci-fi, horror, um, whether it's books, video games, movies, weird fairground rides, War of the Worlds, the album, the Jeff Wayne music, anything that vaguely constitutes dark fiction, then I host a fortnightly podcast called Dark Natter. Um, the name of the show is the best thing about the show because uh, that is a oh, that's a good pun, um, and then we just endeavour to try and live up to that pun in the actual show. So it's just me and a co-host called Liam, uh, and occasional invited guests, including Donna. You have appeared on the show in the past. Um, you, it's interesting actually. You you appeared on the show to talk about Mark Tilbury, the writer. He, because of that, ended up being on the show himself. Um, so that was fun. And thanks for that. That was great. That was thanks to you that that happened. So, yeah, um, the, the podcast is fun. It's, it's meant to be funny and, you know, a muck about, um, but also a little bit of insight into some of, some of the lesser known aspects of particular pieces of, of that fiction. So just as an example, the next episode that's coming out, this weekend uh, is about Big Trouble in Little China, which is my favourite film. So uh, if you want to relive the, the immortal you know, words of Jack Burton, uh, played by Kurt Russell, then yeah, tune in to the show at the weekend when it's released. Yeah, definitely do. Um, I love it. I think it's great fun. And even if I have no idea what we're talking about, it's always funny. So I Yeah, I think that's... Um, that's really, really sweet of you. Thank you. And yeah, it's, the hope is that even if you don't actually know the thing that we're banging on about because it's some obscure blooming game or something, then hopefully it'll still be a funny show. That's the hope. Well, I mean, you and Liam pretty much just abuse each other for the whole podcast. So yeah, that's always fun to listen to. It's all, it's all, it's all his fault, though. It's honestly, I tell you, like I, I go in there, it's meant to be all lighthearted <laughs> and friendly. And then he starts with the insults and oh, that guy opens <laughs> me up. No, Liam, Liam, actually, I'm going to give Liam a shout out. Actually. Liam Martin works as a video game. I think he's the lead technology reviewer at the Daily Express, I think is his day job. Mm -hmm. So if you Google Liam, Martin you'll find him reviewing video games and stuff online so um yeah give him some he's probably got loads of metrics and if you click on his article he gets fed so yeah he'd probably appreciate <laughs> that um and your podcast also available on youtube now isn't it <laughs> yes not that we well most of the episodes it is just the, the sound recording but some of my guests have been kind enough to allow me to do like a zoom video version so the most recent episode we had brian o'gorman who is an excellent um, sort of data fiction writer he writes uh, the the um the dawn of the spiders and its sequels books and just a dead interesting lovely funny interesting guy so we had him on and that, that's a video episode so you can see brian showcasing his massive collection of like obscure 80s horror stuff in the background which is like i'm jealous <laughs> yeah yeah that was ace so he's great he's just an absolute loon but in the nicest way <laughs> yeah he's a cool guy so yeah we're back to that again is it like you get to meet some interesting people doing this stuff so yeah but it's, uh, it's been loads of fun doing that podcast actually yeah, it's cool. I love it. And I'm glad. Uh, I thought it must be due another one. I'll have to listen to it at work. Yeah, I've got it's Big Trouble in Little China on Sunday. And then the next episode, two weeks after that, will be the one with Mark appearing in it. Um, just in time, because I think he's got a new book out, so the timing should work well. And then I've got a few more recorded, which I'll have to figure out what order they're coming out in. But we'll see. Watch this space. <laughs>
makes me wonder if I'll get to talk to Mark before I get I hear him on your podcast. I'm not sure because I'm speaking to him finally. Still can't Oh, so, oh so, so you're going to speak to him before then, are you? In, I'm not sure. You've got him lined up on the show. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'll speak to him before your podcast comes out. Maybe, just. So, yeah. Uh, brilliant. No, he's, well, he was lovely. You'll have a great time. He was, he's just a really nice bloke. I know. Three years I've known this man. The poor git. I feel sorry for him. <laughs> but there we are. <laughs> oh, yeah. He loves me, really, I think. Maybe. His girlfriend read my book as well, which was nice. That is nice. That is yeah, nice. she read it twice, actually. So, yeah. I sent her some uh, sweets. Cool. Yeah, I sent her sweets and Mark said he had his eye on them and she gave me an evil look. I was like, yeah, don't touch a woman's sweets. <laughs> yeah, just, I mean, that, if, yeah, for basics. You should, you, should, you should know better by now. <laughs> yeah. Right, as we are nearly out of time, would you just like to remind everyone of what your book is called and where they can get it from? And if you have a copy to hand, that would be awesome. Oh, yeah, that's a good show, actually. I hadn't prepared that, but I have got them in a pile here, so I'll waft it <laughs> at the camera. So, um, uh, well, so my name's John Richter. John is J-O-N. Richter is like the Richter scale. And also like Richter, the, the villain from Total Recall, the original one, not the crappy Colin Farrell. That's who I've, It's not my real name. That's who's name I stole because uh, I thought I could identify with the plight of a sort of balding, thin bloke who was forced to fight. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> so yeah, John Richter is, is what you can search for. Uh, my website is www.john-richter.com, which has got all my books and stuff and some other weird Easter eggs on there as well. Um, you can find me on Twitter at RichterWrites. Uh, I'm also on Instagram, but I'm probably better on Twitter. Um, but yeah, just hunt me down wherever you like. Um, or you can just look for the books on Amazon. Um, and the most recent book is this one, which is The Warden. Uh, uh, and there it is with the big padlock on the cover. Uh, and uh, yes, kind of a cool cover because Bloodhound Books, uh, the publisher, are really good at covers. They did a great job with this, as they always do. Um, so, yes, that's the one. Get your copy today. <laughs> Absolutely. I can't wait to get mine. <laughs> and thank you on for its way. On, on its way to you. Watch, watch, yeah, should be first class mail. Should be with you, I don't know, whenever that is tomorrow, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. I'll be at home as well, so even better. Brilliant. <laughs> oh, well, let me know what you think. I'm intrigued to hear your thoughts. You know I will anyway, as if I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was pointless for me to say. Yeah, I know. I, I just message you random shit all the time anyway, so. <laughs> and I like it, so please keep doing that. Um, 